In today's show, we're looking at the NBA's Northwest Division, a review of the prospects in Summer League. Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Chet Holmgren, lots to talk about in this division. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Thank you for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Last show we did the Atlantic Division. It was pretty boring. Now we're going to do the Northwest Division, which is jam packed, full of prospects. And then tomorrow, tomorrow, today, I don't know when it's coming out. Anyway, the next show after this, we're doing the Central Division to wrap up the Summer League stuff. So there's a lot to talk about in the Northwest Division. We might as well get into it. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, the Denver Nuggets. They had some prospects that I wasn't particularly high on in the NBA draft, but one I was very high on, and I featured him on my Dynasty Sleeper video a few weeks ago. Um, that is Peyton Watson. But let's talk about their second-round players that they took. Hunter Tyson... All the guys that they drafted um, this year were older players. Tyson has just turned 23, a three-point shooter out of Clemson. I was really impressed, right? I I thought he could shoot. I don't know where he's going to fit in their rotation. He hit 50% of his threes. That's great. But he did way more than that. He averaged 21 points in 29 minutes. He had six assists, 3.6 triples. But he was taking blokes off the dribble. He was driving. He was dunking. Now, he's not going to get that opportunity and have a 24 usage on this main team. But as a guy who can fill in with your Bruce Brown gone, obviously, and maybe battle, say, a Christian Brown for some minutes behind Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon, there was enough there. He's not going to do anything like this in the NBA. But I was pleasantly surprised to see Hunter Tyson not only just be a catch-and-shoot player, but create his own shot, dunk on blokes, and look pretty good doing that. I'm still worried about some of the defensive stuff and whether any of that stuff can translate to the NBA. And he's definitely not a draftable player. But I did. I was more impressed with him than I was um, from watching the college stuff. Jalen Pickett, another older player who they got at the top of the second round, pick 32. He played 31 minutes a night, only scored 12 points. He had really low usage, 17%. 1.2 steals, a block, 5.6 assists, and 12 points. Those peripheral numbers are interesting. Now, at the moment, you would assume that Reggie Jackson, for some reason, is penciled in as their backup point guard. I don't think Jalen Pickett is going to take minutes away from him immediately. But it was okay. I didn't think that I didn't think that he stood out necessarily in in this team. I think you know Tyson and um, Peyton Watson were the two standouts to me. But Pickett sort of just did enough, contributed right across the board, was efficient, shooting forty three percent from three as well. Let's talk about Watson, who I am very very confident is going to be in the rotation. He's the only player on this team that was under twenty one years of age. He's still only twenty. He'll be twenty one really soon. He had a few flashes towards the end of last season. He only played two games in summer league. He averaged nineteen points, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. 52 and 81 as his percentages. Yes, he shot only 20% from three, but he was a dominating defensive presence. He was able to ramp up his usage to 26%, which will never happen in the NBA. He's going to probably take the Jeff Green backup minutes, I would guess, getting some backup five minutes and some backup four minutes. 
He won't be a standard league guy, most likely, but if Porter or Gordon miss, he'll get opportunities, and his dynasty value is really high. I think he is a future starter with a very fantasy-friendly game, and I really wanted to see what he could do in this setting, and he did what I wanted. Second-year player, he dominated, he played two games, fantastic, loved it. Julian Strouder was a first-round pick, pick 29, like Pickett, I wasn't big on him as a, at the draft as I knock over my little Steph Curry thing and Obi gets upset. Um, I wasn't high on him at the draft, and I wasn't particularly impressed with him at Summer League. He shot 34% from three. One of the things from him coming out of Gonzaga was being a good three-point shooter and a really strong rebounder. He had 18 points with three threes. That's fine, but the efficiency wasn't great. And only under five rebounds, didn't get assists, didn't shoot efficiently. He got to the line pretty well. I He's a useful role player, but much like with Pickett, and even with Tyson, I don't think there's starter upside in those three guys. Watson, absolutely. But Strouder, Pickett, and Tyson, I don't think they're those guys, and they're not going to be rotation guys, I would imagine. Immediately, the change is just going to be Brown replacing um, Brown, <laughs> Christian replacing Bruce, and Reggie Jackson probably jumping into that rotation, and Watson replacing Green. Colin Gillespie, who was a two-way guy last season, had a broken leg, didn't play at all. He's just really small. He only averaged eight points in 30 minutes on 30% shooting. 2.4 steals is nice. Four and a half assists is okay. He's just really small. Um, and I don't think he's ever going to develop into a real NBA roster player. The other guy there is Ishmael Kamagate, who was their second round pick um, the previous season. He hasn't played in the NBA, and I don't think he's coming over this year. He averaged seven points with six rebounds. One and a half blocks in 18 minutes is good. 73% shooting is good. He is a prototypical sort of rim-running defensive big man with very limited, I think, offensive upside. But I think that he could return you know, from that 2022 draft, first round, late first round value. I just don't think it's going to be this season. But overall, he sort of did the things that I was hopeful that he would do, um, but I don't have sort of outsized expectations of Kamagate's overall um, production or overall upside. We'll get into talking about the next team in a second, but today's episode is brought to you by Fangel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on Fangel, and you get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. All you have to do is bet 20 bucks, and you get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line, over-unders, who you think's going to hit the first home run, whatever you want, parlays, futures, World Series. Check any of that stuff out over at Fangio. It doesn't even have to be for baseball, but baseball's in season. You could be looking at NBA futures, NBA win totals. All of that stuff is available over on Fangio. And we are going to do some Fangio win total fantasy, well, not fantasy, Fangio win total and future awards shows later on uh, in the off-season. There's... Well, it's all on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. And when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, who didn't have big name prospects on this team. They don't have their draft picks moving forward, but they were able to get a draft pick in this year's draft, and they absolutely knocked it out of the park. Any team outside the lottery, even some teams in the lottery, should not have passed on Leonard Miller. I don't know why they did. Does the NBA not know how to value G League Ignite? Perhaps. He only played 25 minutes a game, but averaged 15 and 8, hit one and a half threes, had one and a half steals, shot 86 from the line, 37% from three. He dominated. He's huge. He can handle the ball. He can pass. 
He can defend. He can shoot. He can rebound. There's no minutes there in Minnesota because there's Towns, there's Gobert, there's Jaden McDaniels, there's Kyle Anderson. There's no real minutes available for him. There's the Wizard of Nas as well, Nas Reed. But when we're talking dynasty and long-term value, Miller's got a ton of upside. And I believe he is a future starter in the NBA. And from the very first quarter of that first summer league game against the Pelicans, me and Dan Tyus were sitting there watching it, went, holy shit, this guy's huge. He's dominating this game. He looks awesome. But he wasn't the only one. I thought Josh Minot, Minot looked great as well. Minot had very, very strong fantasy statistical translations as the 45th pick in the 22 draft out of Memphis last season. He translated similarly to um, a former Timberwolves player in Jared Vanderbilt, but I think he's got a little bit more upside offensively. And while Miller was the standout here, Minot wasn't far behind. 16 points in 28 minutes, and I never projected Minot to be a usage guy, but as a second-year player, expand some stuff, and he did. 24 usage, 16 points, 5.5 boards, 1.6 blocks, 46 and 76 as his percentages. Pretty good. The problem now is that he's in the exact same spot as Leonard Miller. So there's no path to minutes. These are the guys you have to monitor. The same way we monitored Jared Vanderbilt when he was barely playing in Denver. And then he was traded and got an opportunity in Minnesota and in Utah and then yeah, in Los Angeles. Minot and Miller. Miller more so than Minot. I think both of these guys... Well, I know both of these guys are second-round picks, but I think both of them have future starter upside equity. I would value Miller higher than Minot, but Minot was impressive. I thought he looked awesome out there. Their first-round pick from last season, Wendell Moore Jr., I wasn't as excited. 22 minutes a night for him, 14, 2, and 3 assists with a steal. What he is, he's sort of a wing, small forward player who can handle the ball and initiate, and the 3.3 assists in 22 minutes is not bad for a, uh, a small forward player. But the shooting was 37%, including 29% from 3. He had a couple of starts last season. He defends okay. I don't think he's a future starter, although... When you're looking at this team, if you know, Kyle Anderson moves on and ages out, then maybe Moore has a chance to take that role. I'm not completely shutting him off, but he's already 22 compared to Minot, who's 20, and Miller, who's 19. So he's a little bit older of a player, and he definitely didn't stand out as much as what those other guys did. He did have 27 usage in Summer League with four free throw attempts per game, which is helpful, but he definitely wasn't as much of a standout as what Miller and Minot were. They also had Brandon Williams on this team, who, if you're a fantasy player and you played a couple of years ago, you remember Brandon Williams was the guy who put up those huge numbers for the Timberwolves, uh, Timberwolves, buddy, for the Trailblazers when they shut down Lillard and Simons at the end of that 21-22 season. And he was bad in terms of efficiency, but just racked up counting stats. He averaged 17 points here with one and a half steals. I don't really think that he's an NBA player. He's one of those 10-day guys who takes advantage of a beaten down team. Um, but he was here and yeah, he played. The next team is absolutely jam-packed full of prospects, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Trey Mann was in a very, very interesting spot because I don't know where he fits on this team. It's year three. You don't get many first-round players playing in summer league in year three. The rules, I believe, I think they're still the same, is that if you are a first or second-year player and a team says, we want you to play summer league, you have to play summer league. If you are outside of your first two years, the team cannot make you play. You have to agree to it. So they've probably said, Trey, we want you to play. And he said, yes, which I give credit to these players playing and wanting to improve their games. And to be honest, he was good. 20 and a half points, 31 minutes, three and a half assists, almost two steals, shot 43% from three, 25 usage. It's exactly what you want a player who's on the fringes to be able to do. Now, I heard that he and his team are petitioning the Thunder to get him out of there. They don't see a future for him in Oklahoma City, and I 100% agree. Giddy, Shea, the Bronco, 
They brought over Vasily Micic. They have um, uh, Case and Wallace, who we'll talk about in a second. There's no real path for minutes for man. And when he has got opportunities, he struggled. He's like a scorer who can be inefficient, who doesn't really do a ton else. But he dominated at this level of competition, which is exactly what you want to see. I'm not completely writing off his NBA career the way that I am with James Booknight, but this is what I wanted him to do in this setting. He did it, and it doesn't change my overall evaluation a huge amount. Chet Holmgren, though, was really good. He played 30 minutes a night, 17 and 10, three and a half blocks, 49 from the field. Now, he only shot 9% from three, which is obviously horrendous, but I think he's going to be better than that. But his timing on protecting the rim and blocking shots was phenomenal. He is going to be, almost without doubt, a top 40 fantasy player per game this season. There are a lot of people who can't get it out of their head that the Thunder are going to shut guys down and start tanking at the end of the season. That is not happening. That is done. That is over. It didn't happen at all last season. Now, Chet will probably miss some games, but I also don't think that he's going to be on a diet of sit every single back-to-back. I think that people love the doom nature of that or, or expect the worst, or he was injured all of last season. They're going to take it super slow. I don't look that He played 30 minutes a game in Summer League. I don't think they're going to be super slow on him. I think he's going to come in. He's going to start. He's going to play good minutes straight away. Yes, he'll miss some time like everybody else, but he's not going to be a guy that's just randomly out of the lineup in April and May because the Thunder aren't sitting guys and tanking. He's not going to be sitting every single back-to-back moving forward. He has a real chance of finishing higher than Victor Wembanyama in totals for fantasy, just because I think he plays more games. But he's also being a little bit slept on. Now, I do worry about Chet's overall Rookie of the Year value because I just, he had 25 usage here. I don't think he's going to get that. With Williams, Giddy, Gilgis Alexander, even Midwest Dylan Brooks, uh, Lou Dort in the lineup, he's not going to be featured as an offensive guy. He'll make his money on blocks, rebounds with some steals, and hopefully the efficiency gets there. So that's going to drop him somewhat. But he's going to be really valuable, and I thought he looked awesome. Usman Jeng didn't do anything last season. He's only 20. He was actually the second youngest player on this Summer League team. And as the Summer League went on, he looked better and better. He averaged 14, 6, and 4. He hit two threes. He averaged a block a game. 50% shooting, 35 from three. This is the appeal of Jeng and why the Thunder traded up to get him, to be a wing who can score a bit, shoot a bit, defend really well, pass a little bit. He did all that. 14-6-4 with a steal and a block is an amazingly good fantasy line. And he did it on 19% usage. And he did it with a true shooting of 61%. That is perfect. For a guy who is young, younger than Brandon Miller, younger than Amen Thompson, who has a year of experience. And I don't know where he's going to play this season because, again, they bring in guys like Wallace and Dort's still there and Jalen Williams is there. And Chet enters the lineup. I don't know where um, Jeng's going to play, but ahead of an Aaron Wiggins, possibly, probably. I was way more encouraged with Jeng versus what I was last season. That's that's for sure. I'll quickly mention the Bronco Jalen Williams, mainly just so I can play the sound. Broncos country, let's ride. He only played one game. He had 21-4-2 with three threes. He was awesome. I think there's a worry he gets overdrafted because people will look at the last two months and go, well, he actually led the league in steals during that time. He did. That's true. But we know that steals are the most volatile stat game to game, week to week, year to year. And there's a chance that he loses a little bit with Chet arriving and that that steal number just doesn't persist at that level. We saw this with DeJounte Murray. It went from like 2.4 to 1.9, taking him from elite to okay, or 1.8, whatever DeJounte's number was. No, it's at 1.5, actually, I think it was. So Williams really did rely upon that and his efficiency... He's great. I think he's great. But I also think there is a real risk of him being overdrafted. But he looked good here. As for the other Williams, Pig Williams, I don't think he's going to be able to play the same role he necessarily did last season. He's only 21. 
but Chet's going to start. But I would think that Pig Williams is ahead in the rotation, ahead of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and he should be the backup center opening night, playing 18 to 20 minutes a night, getting some minutes at the four as well. Williams had eight and seven in 27 minutes a night. He's a very good positional defender. He's not a great defensive stat accumulator, but he's just a solid enough guy out there. And he shot 43% from the field and 20% from three, which is not good enough. And I don't think he's got real future starter upside, but he he did his thing. Um, Keontae Johnson, a guy they picked at pick number 50. He's a two-way player. Um, 13 points in 24 minutes, 58% shooting. He shot really well last season at Kansas State. Only hit 28% of his threes in summer league. He's not going to play a huge amount. I I don't have massive faith in him moving forward. And then we go to their first round pick, and that is Kaysan Wallace. Now, the overall numbers will not wow you. They won't. 11 points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 2.43s, 1.4 steals, 35 from the field, 64 from the line, and 29% on twos. He could not finish at the rim at all. That, that is a worry. But it's a small sample size. It is summer league. He is a six foot four guard who's a defensive menace already. I think his ability to drive is good. I think he's got real strong shooting upside. I think he's a good passer. And I think he is going to be a future starter on this team next to Chet, uh, next to Chet, next to Shea, next to Williams, and next to um, Giddy. I think he can start there because he can guard other positions. He can handle the ball. It's not going to be this season, but I would be... Uh, I would say I would be... I was going to say I'd be surprised if he's not in the rotation, but they might go with Micic initially, but they could easily run Micic and Wallace together. He's not going to be a 12-team draftable player, Kaysan, this season, but as a dynasty guy, you know that I really value him. I've got him top 10 in my dynasty rookie ranks, and even though the shooting numbers were a little bit off here, I was just impressed by using the eye test in how he looked on the court. I thought he looked pretty good. They also made a trade during Summer League for Ty Ty Washington. He only played two games and had six points, but he's a long way down the pecking order behind Giddy and Shea and Kaysan. And Micic, he's not going to play much this season. I think he can still develop into a backup point guard, and he has got that Kentucky value. But he's a little bit older. He'll turn 22 during this season. We also saw one game out of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but you know, that's his third season. I think he was a nice little story for a bit of time, but I don't really think that that's um, something that's going to persist moving forward. Let's look at the Portland Trailblazers, another team that had a lot of prospects for us to pay attention to. And unfortunately, at the end of the first game, Scoot Henderson got injured, and we didn't see him again, which is annoying. Jesus, God, Sterling. The injury is not serious. It's not anything to worry about. He could have played, but this is what happens with top prospects in summer league. Anything happens, and they just say we're done. Fair enough. I thought Scoot looked absolutely the part. Fifteen, five, and six with a steal. He only shot thirty-nine percent, which was forty percent on twos. But he got to line four times. He hit all of those. The twenty-one minutes was great. Thirty usage. Where his role fits on this team, I don't know. I don't think that they will start Lillard and Scoot together. I think that you know, the way the team looks at the moment, it'll probably be Lillard, Simons, Shaden Sharp. But if Lillard is traded, then Scoot is going to get a run at things. He's going to be inefficient. But I think you look at what Jaden Ivey did last season, and Scoot's minutes will probably end up being higher than Ivey's if Lillard is traded. But more importantly, Scoot is an unbelievably good playmaker. He puts pressure on the paint every time he's got the ball. He takes his shots from inside the paint. He doesn't settle, and he opens things up for everybody. He had six assists in that first game. Don't be surprised if he averages seven-plus as a rookie if Lillard is gone and he's a starter. He will be... I don't know where to place him in projections or rankings. He'll almost definitely go in the top 60 in drafts would be my guess. I think that is too high because there's going to be efficiency issues and minutes issues early on. 
but he did everything that I wanted him to do to prove to me that I was right in having him at number two. I don't know that I'm right moving forward, but I definitely don't feel wrong about it at this stage. Jabari Walker, 12 and 8, 50% three-point shooting. He was was he, he was close to summer league. He might have been summer league championship game MVP last season. He was great. He didn't play a huge amount of the regular season, but he averaged 12 and 8 here. He shot 50% from three. And with Trenton Watford gone, inexplicably, but with Trenton Watford gone, Walker has an opportunity, I think, to be in the rotation day one as the backup power forward behind Jeremy Grant. I don't think he can necessarily become a full-time starter at any point, but Grant will probably get a fake injury at some point this season. And I think we'll get value out of Walker. So if you are playing like best ball, which I don't play a huge amount, I think best ball's a very different thing to regular fantasy. But if you are playing best ball, like when we're talking about spike weeks, hate that term, yeah, the playoff situation, if Grant is not there, I wouldn't be surprised if Walker's playing 30 minutes a night through March and April. I think there is a possibility of that. The guy that I really want to see is Shaden Sharp, who I think is going to elevate this season, and the Blazers really value him highly. He just turned 20, and I would say that I was impressed but underwhelmed. There were moments where he started to take over games. When, oh, here we go. He threw down one of the biggest dunks you will ever see over Jay Huff, I think it was. He also blew two open-court fast-break dunks somehow, going up for a windmill and just lost the ball twice. He had some amazing defensive plays, but overall, he was inefficient. 17-5-2, a steal and a block, but 35% shooting, including 27% from three and 39% from two. He was put into a relatively uncomfortable position, 30 usage, just to develop that, and it didn't really work out. He's not going to be in that role because Lillard or Simons and Grant are all going to be ahead of him in the pecking order. So if he does get the starting job at the three, which might be him, it might be Thibault, I don't know. But even if he does get it, don't expect him to be the primary offensive guy, and he'd probably only end up being a late-round flyer for fantasy. As much as I do like him moving forward, there's still a lot of other guys in front of him, and this team is still in clear flux in terms of where they where they sit. Chris Murray, I didn't really like him as a prospect. He's about to turn 23. 10 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.63, 1.4 steals. He can be a solid role player, but I don't really know there's much more there from him. 43% shooting, 57 from the line. 32% from three. At times, I'd watch the game and went, oh, yeah, Chris Murray's on this team, which is not a great thing. Um, again, maybe he's the guy that takes over if Jeremy Grant goes down. I just, I think that he has got absolute like role player, and that's it, upside, nothing else. I don't think he's going to be a star. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as good as his brother. Um, I think he can be an okay shooter, but there's just so much lacking overall in his game that nothing really changed my mind about him at Summer League. Ibu Baji was a two-way guy last season, had a knee injury, didn't play. And before the game, I was talking to some Blazers guys, and they went, just watch Baji. You've never seen a seven-foot guy move as fast as this guy. And he did. He moved unbelievably quickly. He's like seven-foot two. He's 20 years of age. He only averaged three points, but blocked two shots in 19 minutes. Unfortunately, shot just 37% from the field, which as a big man is really disappointing. But on a team with Yusuf Nurkic and no Drew Eubanks anymore, Baji might get some minutes this season. So the athleticism was real. The shot blocking is real. I don't know what else is real or if there's anything that else is going to come, but the athleticism was was legit. John Butler Jr. You want to talk about Chet Holmgren being skinny or Victor Wembanyama being skinny? That's nothing, mate. Watch this bloke. The skinniest bloke I've ever seen. He's tall, but he just looks like he's going to get bashed. His defensive stuff is okay. He's on a two-way now with them. He was with the Pelicans last summer league, I think. Only played 12 minutes, so half a block in 12 minutes is not bad. But I think he's I think he's just too small, too skinny 
with no real ability. It doesn't look like to put on huge amounts of muscle. And he doesn't have a real outlier skill. He's not a shooter. He's not an elite, elite defender. He's an okay player, but I don't really see it for him. Their second round pick, Round Repair, who just turned 19, really struggled. I thought, again, like Chris Murray, he was invisible a lot of the time. Three points in 18 minutes. He is really long. He's got defensive upside, but three points, one re- one assist, 0.6 steals, 25% shooting, didn't hit a single three, shot 32% on twos, and was 50% on at the line. None of that's going to cut it. Now, this is a team that was starting Kevin Knox and Jonathan Williams and Justin Manea last season. So if they go that direction, then Rupert is going to get an opportunity. But I had him in my second round. At my, in my big board, not massively high on him in Dynasty because there's a lot of holes in his game and absolutely nothing changed my mind on that watching him in person. They also had Keon Johnson there, who I think is a, a third-year player. He played one minute, broke his finger, and that was it. He always seems to get an opportunity, and then something happens. He's a sort of a shooting guard, point guard type of player with elite athleticism, but never had an ability to stay healthy or never had an opportunity when that opportunity has been presented where he's been able to stay out there. So really didn't get to see much. And the last thing we talk about here is the Utah Jazz. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see two of their first round picks in Taylor Hendricks or Bryce Sensible, which is disappointing. We saw a lot of the speaker though, Keontae George across two summer leagues, six games, sprained his ankle in the last one, 19 points, five assists, three threes, shot 39% from three. And this team... There is a chance that he can be a starter this season. It's not likely, and I was very much out on him as a draft prospect, and it appears that I'm very wrong on that. He lost a lot of weight coming back um, from a season at Baylor where he was dealing with back issues. The ankle problem, hopefully that doesn't linger. I don't think it will. But their point guard situation is Colin Sexton, it's Chris Dunn, or it's Taylor Horton Tucker. All right, who cares? I don't think George will be opening night starter, but I think he's got a chance to take that job at some point during the season. So he could be a last-round flyer pick. I did move him up to about 13, I think, in my dynasty rookie ranks. He impressed. But if you the narrative that you hear about George is that he just dominated summer league. And he was good, but like 18, 4, and 5 on 39% shooting is just solid. It's not dominating. And it is only in 26 minutes. It's not dominating. It's solid, which is great. But maybe some of the production for him has been somewhat overstated because we saw a couple of big games, but there was also some poorer games at other times as well. Still like him. Still think that I was wrong on him with my evaluation. Still think that he's got a chance to start. But maybe don't go overboard. Lucas Sharmanich had some okay moments at the end of last season for the Jazz. He had 15 and 7 here in 23 minutes. He's only 23 years of age. He shot 37% from three. Maybe he's a backup behind Larry Markinen. Uh, but he's going to be an uphill battle to get minutes with Linux and Collins and Hendricks in the mix now as well. Um, yeah, he is okay, but like I'm not getting too excited there. Much like I'm not getting excited about Abaji, and I know I'm in the minority on Oshai Abaji. Abaji is already 23. He played 30 minutes tonight, and he sort of did what we needed him to do. 18 points, 3.6 triples, 38% shooting, 29 usage. Impressively, he averaged 8.6 rebounds, but I don't think he's a starter. I think that they'll start Jordan Clarkson again. And Abaji started to step up at the end of last season when Clarkson was out, when Sexton was out, and when Markinen was out. The hallmarks for an overrated player. Now, that's not fair. I'm not saying he's an overrated player, but people might overrate what he did at the end of last season for fantasy heading into this season. Because when you're in a situation like this, where you are the main guy or second main guy, and you get 29 usage, and you can put up okay numbers, 
But that's not real on a team where Markkinen plays or Collins plays and Sexton plays and Clarkston plays. And if he's not hitting threes, he's not grabbing rebounds like this with Collins, Markkinen, Kessler around. He's just not. And maybe they decide we'll start Clarkson at point guard and Abaji at the two. I don't think they'll do that. But even then, he'd be the fifth offensive option. And he'd, what, average 12 points with two threes and yeah, three rebounds and an assist? Like, not great numbers. I'm just out on him. He's an older player who I think has got a limited skill set. And I know a lot of Jazz people are super in on Abaji. I'm just not. Nothing that I've seen from him tells me there is a future starter on a good team or even a mediocre team here. Apologies to him. Michael Potter, 25 years of age, big man, 11 and 9. Didn't block any shots or one shot, I think. Hit two threes. Yeah, I, I don't see much exciting with him, nor do I see anything with Johnny Zhujang or Joey Hauser. Zhujang at least hit three threes and hit him at 52% and scored 16 points. It's his second season um, on a two-way. I, I don't think that he's anything more than that. And I do not understand for a second the Jazz signing Joey Hauser, a 24-year-old wing to a two-way contract who averaged four points in summer league on 35% shooting and 33% from three. I don't get it for Hauser. Um, I don't know why they would have prioritized him when they've got Zhujiang as well. Just doesn't make any sense. And I don't think he will last in the NBA. And nothing that I saw from him in Summer League would change my mind on that. And that will do it for me today. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're on YouTube, thumb it up. And leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.